0: Well, good morning. I am so glad to be back here. Someone saw me earlier and said, I hope you've enjoyed your time off. And I had to say, well, I've just been away. Um, I spent a few weeks ago, I was with Confermans at Camp Simotonga. A week after that, I went and preached at my home church where Gabby Houston is serving as an intern this summer. Um, She went to see Sawyer Brown, was feeling like a big... Uh, Nashville hotshot yesterday, but um, I then went and took kids to Pigeon Forge and I've been trying to catch up ever since. So um, it is great to be in the house of God with you this morning. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to preach out of Deuteronomy 31. This is where Moses' ministry comes to an end and where Joshua kind of takes up where he leaves off. Listen for the word of God. Then Moses said these words to all Israel, telling them, I'm 120 years old today. I can't move around well anymore, lest the Lord told me, you won't cross the Jordan River. But the Lord your God, He's the one who will cross over before you. He's the one who will destroy the nations before you so you can displace them. Joshua too will cross over before you, just like the Lord indicated. The Lord will do these do to these enemies the same thing He did to the Amorites, the king Shio and Og to their land when He destroyed them. The Lord will lay them out before you and you will do to them exactly what the command I've given you dictates. Be strong, be fearless. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared by your enemies because the Lord your God is the one who marches with you. He won't let you down, and He won't abandon you. Then Moses called Joshua, and with all Israel watching, said to him, Be strong and fearless, because you are the one who will lead the people to the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You are the one who will divide up the land for them. But the Lord is still the one who is marching before you. He is the one who will be with you. He won't let you down. He won't abandon you. So do not be afraid or scared. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Sometimes when we look to Scripture for an example that we want to model our life after, we want to find some awful disciple or someone that's just not really got their life together so we can find an entry point, and Moses and Joshua were pretty good leaders. And so sometimes when we look at people like this in Scripture, it's easy for us to say they're too good at following God. They're too good at living a holy life. I can't model myself after them, but I hope you will this day. Look at people that live these model lives of which there are not a ton in Scripture, believe it or not. Most characters we have are kind of complicated. And these are two of our best examples of how to live a holy life. And when we look to them, I hope that you'll try and glean some wisdom on how you can be a leader in this church from how they led back in their day, or really how they handed off leadership is what we're looking at this morning. Because whether old or new here, today's scripture shows the way to end or begin a ministry journey well. Moses models passing the torch faithfully, while Joshua models the humility it takes to take on the responsibility of the next chapter of a ministry. And those of us that are new might need to readjust and pay attention to how significant some of the stuff is that we can take on, because it's so easy in the church to think that all we do is make nice people nicer through a couple kind programs. And that's not our calling at all. You've all been called by God to come to this church to help people encounter the living God that has promises in the future. Not just little programs that can help people to be a little bit sweeter. This is a a real responsibility. One that we have to take seriously. The responsibility to take on the work of God who heals hearts and makes lives whole. When we talk about leading well, there's a lot on the line. And all too often, when we look backwards in the church, we do so with blinding nostalgia. If you look at Moses in this scripture, he has a lot to look back on. He's 120 years old, and when you've spent a weekend in a cabin with a bunch of teenage kids, you feel like you're about 120 years old. So I can relate to the feeling of like you're so out of touch, and you don't have the energy to do it anymore, and Everybody else is just running around crazy. Well, that's where Moses is. And instead of saying, oh, y'all, stop moving around, sit down. i got to tell you about when God used to work in this community. Instead of that, what he does is he says, I need to find somebody that can follow God and lead people into the next part of what God has for us. I think that that's so important to see the wisdom of Moses as he doesn't look backwards with nostalgia. Just like Moses, we must remember that God's promises lie ahead for God's people, not behind us. For it's so easy to imagine God's greatest works are behind us as we can picture our memories. You can look back to a Bible study that you did, or a small group you joined, or a time that you really paid attention to sermons on Sundays. Maybe you have a time in your life when you had a really strict devotion Schedule. And you can look back and say, oh, I can remember right then is when I felt closest to God. What Moses sees is that we shouldn't look back for the closest connection with the living God. We should look ahead. And it takes wisdom to see the world that way. Thanks be to God that some of us have seen God at work here. That many of us have those stories we could tell of the amazing things God has done at Anniston First, the way God's seen us through building projects and seen us through seasons of difficulty in the city. There has been so much to be thankful for, but there's still more ahead. My mom attends a Methodist church a lot like this one that I grew up in. And she grew up in that church. And they've been through the same nonsense that every local church has been through over the past couple years it's covid and so let's all go outside but then we don't want to be outside we want to be inside but we want to be inside and we'll be inside different than we used to be and then that wasn't working so let's go back outside and then we'll wear masks and then we won't wear masks and then some of us will and won't we got a special seating section we've been through a lot we've tried to adjust our model to what's going on in the world around us. And she's been through a church experience just like this of her own. And so she was asking around about different programs and how things were going. And she heard that the youth pastor was having a difficult time um, with numbers and with volunteers and with just everything. And so she called him, his name's Steve, and she went, Steve, I'm just checking in, you know, my name's Suzanne, my son Davis used to go here, you've probably met him, and um, you. I used to volunteer with the youth group, so I was wondering, maybe I could come and do a craft or two with them, is there a time I could come volunteer with the youth group? And Steve said, that sounds great, how about this week? Um, us preachers tend to need a lot of help that we don't ask for, and so she went to youth group and she saw that there were like 12 kids there in this slip and slide situation and it was steve the youth pastor and then there was her little sue retired sue and her retired sensibilities kind of felt like moses like she was 120 years old and she said to steve steve i'm not upset or anything but where are the other volunteers And he said, I think someone else is coming in like half an hour, but right now it's just us. And so she had to readjust, and she's taken her expectations of what she was going to do, which she wanted to go and serve a time or two, and instead she's realized that there are programs that need to be rebuilt in her church. There are programs that she may not be able to come every week, but she could come once a month, and she could... Get with some of her Bible study folks and they could take some responsibility and divide it up. And everybody that served in one way or another can plug back into what you used to do. And if you're feeling like God's not at work in the things that you're volunteering in now, you can find something new to do because there's so much need here. My mom, I think, modeled some wisdom in this experience by not saying, I can't believe Steve didn't have 40 Parents there all lined up to make sure the slip and slide was going smoothly. She realized that she needed to help, that she needed to get involved. Not to criticize somebody, but to get involved. And it has made an enormous difference for everybody involved in that ministry. She's committed to this next chapter so that she can help them launch into a fall where they'll have more volunteers. Maybe God's calling you to do something like that, to get involved where you used to be at work so that you can do something familiar, but something that helps you connect with God. Because a leader in this church recently told me that she's loved every minister we've ever had at Anniston First, that each person brings their own gifts, their own graces, their own wisdom of God. And lay people are just the same way. Every one of us is different. Every one of us has people that can't stand us. I know I do. Um, But That doesn't matter. What matters is that you show up and you want to be faithful to the things God's calling you to do. What matters is that you're listening for the next thing God wants you to pay attention to, to build in this community. Each person offers something unique. And just like Moses, your role is to find people to affirm publicly. If you notice, Moses says the same thing a couple different times. He says, don't be afraid. You need to be courageous to the people. And then he says it to Joshua, but where does he do it? In front of everyone. And I don't think that's by mistake or just because he was already standing there. I think what we need more of in the local church is public affirmations of one another. We need to name the goodness we see in one another to see what God is doing in someone's life and say, hey, I recognize that you've been different lately and I want to know what's going on. Or Maybe you can say, I've felt like God's at work in my life and I need to share that goodness with somebody else. We need to affirm one another publicly as this is how we learn where we are headed and who is going to take us there. We have great things in our past that we can use to equip new people for God's future. And people are flawed, so they may in fact fumble the torch for a moment when you hand it off to them. When you take something that's precious to you and you offer it to someone, it's an extension, it's an act of vulnerability. When you invite somebody to pick up something that you used to do, it takes some trust and it takes humility on the person's side to receive it. They may bobble it, they may fumble through, but you know what? You have to trust one another to fumble through your call as a church. You have to trust one another to make mistakes for the right reasons, to try and do the right thing over and over. It takes love and trust on both parties for a transition to go well. And that's what Moses knew in today's scripture. Transitions may be bumpy, But that's a sign that you're doing the work of God. Because you're not trying to recreate something from the past. You're trying to head towards where God is calling you. Just like Moses passing the torch to Joshua, we have to publicly affirm one another. Affirming the goodness we see rather than the shortfalls we're worried about. And it takes communal support for an installation of a leader to take effectively. God tells Moses to encourage the people before he comes to Joshua with the same words Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For a new role and a new leadership often raise anxiety. I know I'm going to take my own church soon, and there are people that probably are wondering, Oh my goodness, who is this young guy? And it just raises anxiety when there's a change. And that's normal. Because we're creatures of habit and familiarity. And the church has been through a lot. And I'm wondering if you can see all the things this church has learned to do. This church has learned to love its pastors well. As you've gone through illnesses with me and with other staff, you've learned how to work together You've learned how to try and worship together in new ways. There are all these things that y'all have learned to do while I've been here. You've renewed your covenant to love your downtown community well. And you're learning with each new generation to be a home for God's people. All of God's people. You have a great opportunity in this church to support Gabby Houston as she Continues to discern her call to ministry. Gabby's at Birmingham Southern College, which is a Methodist-affiliated school that I and some other people here at the church went to. Um, Gabby's preparing to go to seminary, and she's preparing for a life of vocational ministry. It's a big commitment, and I have her contact information um, on these pink sheets that um Laura made in the office. So after the service, one thing you can do if you want to pass the torch of faith well, you can get one of these sheets from me. This has Gabby's mailing address for school and for the summer. If you want to write her a note of encouragement, if you want to write her a note that just says, hey Gabby, I know I've spoken to you once and I just think what you're doing is so special and I'm praying for you, it will mean the world to her. So that is one small thing you can do to publicly affirm somebody. Take one of these sheets from me after the service and then write a note to Gabby encouraging her in her call to ministry. We're raising up the next generation in this church. I think that it's something that maybe not all of us have recognized, but having someone on the path to seminary is a big deal for a church. And it means y'all are doing some things right here. Because Gabby loves God, and she loves others, and she is going to serve the church well for many years. You can also find people to pass the torch to if you come to the stockholders luncheon in the gym after this. So we're going to have a luncheon um, for anyone that wants to come, but especially those that supported us through the stock sale. And you're still able to contribute to that if you haven't. Um, The stock sale was a way that we raised money so that we could afford to take the kids to Pigeon Forge without asking them to pay for anything, which is a huge deal for a lot of our students. Um, So come to the Shareholders Luncheon and meet some of the students there. They're not all present um, for this event, but get to know them and get to know the group. Um, Talk to Caroline or myself, anyone that's involved in the youth ministry, and find someone that you can... Be a mentor for or encourage. Many of you wrote notes. That's another way that you can pass the torch well. You wrote notes of encouragement for them while they were on the trip. These are just a few ways for you to hear what God is doing in Anniston, Alabama in the future that you can be a part of. Listen for God's call on your life. Listen like it really matters. Because your quiet time, your devotion time, the times you come here are not just intended to make kind people a little bit more kind. May the hurt that you carry with you, the illnesses, the frustration, the family trials, may all of these things come with you as you seek to offer them to God, that He might make them new, that He might also make you new so you can serve this church and this community faithfully. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be in ministry, for the ways you've called each of us to be disciples of Jesus Christ, people that live new lives, people that seek to take the hurt we carry and transform it into your grace in the world. Be with each of us as we seek to either receive or pass the torch faithfully here at Anniston First Methodist. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.